Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church podcast. My name is Pastor George, and I'm very glad to be here with you. This morning, we're heading into a message that I think we need to hear. It's entitled, Trust Me, I'm Trying, Part 2. It's not a sermon series that I'm in. It's more of a standalone time of message. Um, but I just feel like it's for someone out there. Maybe it's you. It may not be for anybody here in this church. It may be someone out there in the listening world. I don't know. All I do know is God has put this on my heart. And it's something that, you know, you don't hear a lot of preachers preach, or when you do hear preachers preach on this particular passage, they get it wrong. And it's concerned me for a long time. So the Lord prompted me to bring this to you, and I hope that you enjoy it. And I hope that, you know, I pray for you. My prayer for you is that in this season of the year, we're we're heading into Christmas, the Christmas season. We're just about to Thanksgiving here. And this can be the toughest time of the year. You know, maybe we've been waiting on God to do something in our lives for a long, long time, and it's never happened. Something we've been praying for, and we never saw it. Or maybe we've lost a loved one, and now that Christmas is coming, that comes back to our minds, and we wish they were here with us. And sometimes we just don't under have an understanding of what's really going on. You know, I really pray that this message will bring some peace and comfort to you. That God is a God who cares about the individual. He cares about you, the individual, the one person. And this message, maybe this one's for you. God bless. We'll get started here in just a minute. This morning, we're going to go into a passage of Scripture that is interesting. Um, I've decided, you know, we were in the life of King David for a long time, and it was time to, to end that series. It's going to pick back up probably next year sometime you know, waiting for that good series to come back on TV to get the rest of the story to finish it because we're going to go all the way through it. We're going to finish it. But I really felt led in my heart to do some standalone messages. This is the time of year that we really do as a body need minister to. You know, we're moving into the holiday season and, and for some of us, even us Christians, it's a very difficult time of year, not just financially. In fact, Probably that's the least of it. It's thinking about the lost loved ones that were here with us years before. Those that we can't spend Christmas with or Thanksgiving with that aren't here anymore. And it becomes a very difficult time of year. So that's why this time of year I try to reserve some space for some standalone messages, stuff that I pray that will encourage you and help you get through this time of year. So let's just jump right in. John 5, 7, let me read this scripture to you. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. You know, as a boss... I never punish anyone for trying to be proactive in their work. You know what I mean? 
even when they miss the mark or possibly they take it a little too far. Man, how can you not like the person who takes that big swing at a problem? I mean, I do. I, I just, you know, someone who's out there swinging, and, and, you know, maybe they missed. Maybe they took it too far, but it's just amazing to see those kind of people that are out there trying so hard. Even Jesus didn't punish Peter when he was cutting off Malchus's ear. He just put it back on like a Mr. Potato Head. He, he was trying. He might have been wrong, but he was trying. You know, you see nothing in there where Jesus condemned him. He was trying. It was, it was wrong, but he was giving it that effort. Today's culture, it's disturbing. A lot of kids call other kids tryhards. As if it's a bad thing to do the extra effort, to put in the extra time, to even try to be the teacher's pet and try to do well. You know, I understand when someone's trying way too hard to, to you know, they overdress. And they're, they're just trying way too hard. I, I get that. You know, they're, they're set up for a job interview and you take one look at them and go, you know, honey, why don't you just try to be yourself? You know, just be yourself. We, we get into this culture where we're, we're either we're trying too hard or not trying hard enough, and, and I get it. But what's frustrating is when you do your very best and the task is still just beyond your abilities. And this is where we need faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. This is where it all come in. You know, I can remember when my son was playing baseball, going to the baseball park, and I, I, I remember this guy. And I, I can honestly say, man, I like that guy. I didn't know who he was. You ever seen in the Bible where Jesus says, he sees somebody, he says, I just love that guy. I just loved him. Well, I seen this guy, he was, you know, he's heading out to the ball field, and he didn't look happy, man. He didn't look like he's out. He had a backpack on, and he's pulling a wagon, and the wagon had an ice chest in it that was probably full of ice and, and waters for, for the kids, and you know, he was, he was probably that dad, you know, that was bringing refreshments for the kids at the game. But he was trying so hard. You could see him. He's just walking up the hill, dragging his wagon. And you could tell that he just got off work because he had his, it looked like a mechanic shirt. You know, this side was half out and had some grease or something over on this side. And he didn't have a baseball shirt on. So obviously, he didn't have time to go home. He was just on his way from work, heading out to the ball field, dragging this wagon. And I thought, I just thought to myself, I like that guy. I like that guy, and, and he, he, he wasn't, you know, selfie ready. He wasn't, you know, it, he, it didn't look like he was ready for the good time, the memories. He was working hard. And we do that a lot, you know, and, and we feel like sometimes we never get any credit for what we're doing. We're trying so hard. And by the way, I, met, I named this message, Pastor, I'm trying. Trust me, I'm trying. Part two. Because we try hard. We do. Everybody in here, I know you, and I know that you're trying hard to live the life, to be the Christian that, that God has called you to be. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's working. Sometimes it just doesn't. We tend to think that it would be much easier to have been around when Christ was here. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. 
Jesus was always doing something that went totally against the grain, against the religious system of the Jewish Pharisees. He was always bucking against the system. And rightfully so, because we needed these stories. We needed to see what the religious system was trying to do. I mean, everything Jesus ever did, he always did it on the Sabbath. Do you think that was by accident? And he knew how it was firing these guys up. He knew what he was doing. And yet the disciples, they didn't, they didn't know. They're just going, whoa, Jesus, <laughs> are you sure? Do you really need to go in there, really? But he would. He went totally against the system because the system needed to be broke down. And Jesus was in there addressing the symptoms. You see, all symptoms that we're dealing with, symptoms in our life, the things that you're battling, it goes back to a root. There's a system that involves the system, the system that involves the symptom. I gotta get off, I gotta get away from that. It's messing me up. I've heard this particular passage that I just read, I've heard it preached many times. In fact, reminding myself, you know, guys, YouTube's a wonderful thing. As you go on YouTube and type in this sermon, this message, this, you know, John 5 and preaching, you know, and you'll get some, wow. But in my lifetime, I've heard this preached many times, and I have to say, even myself, I've gotten it wrong. I believe this is one of the, the most misunderstood passages in the Bible. And it all has to do with the tone and the attitude of what's being said. Have you ever texted somebody and they just take it totally off the wall, like, like just totally did not understand what you were trying to say? It just happened to me just a couple weeks ago. You know, my son, praise God, all my kids, I ask them to remind me when it's the grandkids' birthdays. Okay, please remind me two weeks ahead. I do my best. I say every year I'm going to write it down on a calendar somewhere. I never do. Please remind me, you know, and, and so they do, and I appreciate it. And my youngest son in Michigan, he, he says, calls me, and he says, hey, Dad, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, um, Jackson's birthday. <laughs> Took me a second to grab it. It's going to be Jackson's birthday, and, and uh, he needs a couple of gifts. And I said, okay, what's, what's, he, what's he into? What's he liking? And he goes, well, um, he, he really likes the the Woody from the Toy Story, you know, you like to have a Woody, and he's really into, you know, baking and stuff, and you'd like to have this little play barbecue, it's on Amazon. I, said, I went and looked at it, and I thought, all right, that's cool, that's good stuff. Okay, so I sent it to him through Amazon. You know, I ordered it, and they just shipped it there. I didn't have to see it, wrap it, do anything. It was really cool. You know, about a week later, he texts me, and he says, um, is that all you sent? Is what the text read. And I'm thinking, what? Is that not enough? You want more? I mean, I, and so I text back, do you want more? I mean, did I miss something? That stuff wasn't cheap. You know, what? what? So then the phone rang. He goes, Dad, Dad, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. These people that I live upstairs, they always steal my mail. And I just want to make sure that I got it all in case there was another, because sometimes I send books and different things that, you know, and I just, I'm sorry, Dad, I wasn't trying, no, we love what you sent. He loves, 
Do you see? Because he didn't hear, I didn't hear the context. I didn't hear the, the, the tone of what he was asking me. And so we took it wrong. And I think this scripture that I'm about to read you, many, many preachers, I, I've heard it taught. In fact, I'll tell you what. This guy who was laying there for all these years, it said that he was an invalid for 38 years. We're going to see a long line of preachers when we get to heaven, and they're all going to go to him and apologize because we got this wrong. He is made out to be this person that is just lazy and uncaring and, because he says, I have nobody to help me. And I don't think that was the case of it at all. And I think that we missed what Jesus was actually trying to say to him. I've, I've heard this done so many times, and a lot of us like to believe this, this statement, that God helps those who help themselves. That's not God. Find it in your Bible. It's not there. I'm not saying that it's a bad statement. I'm saying that it's a good. God helps those, helps himself. That's not God, and that's not grace. You know who wrote God helps those who helps themselves? It was Benjamin Franklin, and it's a good statement. I get it. It works, but it isn't God. Jesus came and did what I couldn't do for myself, what you can't do for yourself. I need a Savior I need a Savior. I can't live without one. I would not survive this world without a Savior. And he knew that I couldn't do it without him. He knew that I couldn't do it alone. So, why did Jesus ask this lame man such an interesting question? And we're going to read that scripture right now. So let's go to John 5, verses 1 and 2. But remember this. The lame man did not know who Jesus was. Okay, keep that kind of in the back of your mind. He, this is just some guy walking up. He didn't know who he was from anybody else. Verse five, chapter 5, verse 1 says, Sometimes later, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Bethesda, the name itself, means house of mercy. Beth is house. Bethesda is house of mercy. And these were porches or decks that were built around this pool. And it had covers on them, so there was shade. But this wasn't a pool that you went to for a vacation. There was nobody there going to bring you the little umbrella drink, you know, sitting at this pool. This pool is, was where the lame went and the, and the injured and the deaf went. It tells us that in the very next, in, in the very next scripture. Let's go to verse 3. There were a great number of disabled people who used to lie there, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So it, this was a hospital of sort. Now, I, I don't know if we can call it that, but it was a hospital. So these people were lie, lame, and they were blind, and they, they were paralyzed, and, they, and people would come and bring them and lay them by this pool. Why? Why would they do that? Well, let's read on. 
Let's go to verse 5. One who had been, one who was there, you've got to read this carefully because I don't want to mess it up for you either. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? This is that statement that I was telling you that I think a lot of preachers have gotten wrong. They don't hear the tone of it correctly. They go, do you want to get well? I mean, you've been laying here. You've been this way for 38 years. Do you want to get well? As if he was trying to, Jesus was trying to punk him into doing something or motivate him into making a move. That's not what my Savior came to do. He came to make me well. I didn't have to do anything. The man didn't have to do anything. I really truly believe that Jesus wasn't giving a sarcastic statement. He was saying, brother, do you want to get well? It was genuine. I mean, isn't that our God? A God full of love and mercy, not a, a God who's trying to get you to, you know, slap you on the backside and say, come on, let's get some going. Let's get some action going here. Let's, let's get moving. No, I don't think that was it at all. I think that Jesus was, was trying to help him to see something. We have to pay close attention to this. You know, I heard one guy, I was listening to him on YouTube, and the guy, the preacher said, he was laying there for 38 years. The man was laying there for 38 years. That's not what the scripture said. It says, who was there? And honestly, the translator should have put a comma right there. there honestly, there should be a comma. Who was there? Who was there? had been an invalid for 38 years. It didn't say he laid there for 38 years. He had been an invalid for 38 years, and we have to see that. And it's just so interesting of how people have portrayed this scripture. And here's another thing that came up, is in verse 6. Jesus saw him lying there and learned. <laughs> that one threw me a little bit. Does it you? God learned. That's like an oxymoron. That's like Jesus learned that he was there. I mean, doesn't, isn't he the creator of all things and know all things and know everything? And Jesus, it says in the word that he learned. And so let me, if I can, just put my imagination cap on a little bit and try to show you what I think was said here. Jesus walks into this pool, this area where all these sick people are. And I'm sure the disciples were saying, come on, Lord, let's don't go there. Come on, we're, we're heading for the festival. We're going to be late for the festival. Come on, it's already Sunday or Saturday, whatever their Sabbath was. Come on, let's go. You don't need to go in there. And Jesus, no, 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 no. And he walks into the pool area. And maybe there's someone there who kind of helps maintain it. This is all my thinking. And Jesus says, how long has that person over there been there? Oh, well, she's been there. Actually, I think she just got here this weekend. She's only been there for a while. Oh, okay. And he walked a little further. Well, how about that guy over there? Oh, he's been hanging out here. He's been coming here for about three years. He's been coming out here for quite a while. 
Oh, three years. Okay, we'll, we'll put him on standby. But I'm looking for something a little bit more. How about, how about that cow over there? That one over there, I can see she's blind. How long is she? Eight years? She's been coming here for eight years. And, and obviously, the guy said, all right, I see what you're looking for. I got a guy over here. He's been coming to this pool for, he has been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus said, that's the one I want. Why? Why would God do that? And I don't know who this message is for. It might not be for anybody here in this church. It might be someone in podcast land that's going to hear this message and go, I've been waiting just like that guy for years. I've been a Christian for years. I've been going to church for years, and yet I still suffer with this infirmity. And Jesus wanted to make a statement. Jesus wanted to, to a platform to show that we would be able to read throughout time and history so that we could understand that he's here for the guy that's pulling the wagon. That's trying so hard, but doesn't seemingly ever getting anywhere. It just seems like it's just so much work. It just seems like it's just, okay, I'm a Christian. Praise God for that. If I die, I go to heaven. I accept that, but I'm just not having fun. This message may be for you. Because you know what? It's interesting how God does heal, and he does. But you know what I have to do? I have to take you... I, I forgot to put it in there. You know what, Sean? I'm sorry. I, I forgot to put it on the slide. Could you grab a house Bible there and read John 5, verse 4 for me? <clears throat> Come on, look it up, buddy. It's, it's not that hard. This guy waited 38 years. We can wait for a minute. Uh, I'm sorry? No, there's verse 3. And, and then... Where's 4? It's not in your Bible. Uh, come on up here real quick, Sean, and... Read it out of this Bible. You want to click the next slide, Tony, while you're there? Okay. Should be just the very next one. There it is. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. There's the answer to why the people were like, you had to look, see what that was, huh? This is an interesting concept. You say, Pastor, why? What, what, what is going on? It's not in the NIV Bible. Scholars, many years ago, decided that this wasn't in the original manuscripts of John chapter 5 that John didn't write this statement. For an angel who went down in a certain time of the pool and stirred up the water, then whoever stepped in the first after stirring the water was made well. That was a myth in its time. And the NIV Bible, the NIV people, whoever were translating it, go, you know what, guys, I, I'm not comfortable with leaving that in there. So we need to take it out. And it goes... 
from 3 to 5 in your NIV Bible. So why are we talking about this? Only reason is that I want you to know your Bibles. Because when you're sharing your testimony to somebody, they'll say, the Bible's not true. I can prove it to you it's not true. Looky here. You know, sometimes these, these people know the Bible better than you think you do. And they'll pull up John 5, 4 and go, it's not there, because they're in an NIV Bible. It's not there. Or they'll pull it up in a new King James Bible, which with this one is, and go, well, there it is there. How come it's not over here? You see, the Bible's not true. It's not all truth. And you know what? That's a wrong statement. The Word of God is truth, and it's all truth. The problem comes with translators. Yeah, translators, things that they translate it and they may have missed it in air. So why do we have to know this? Because we do have to understand our Bible. I want you to read the Bible and I want you to research the Bible and I want you to get it right. And we must pay attention. We see now how Jesus learned this man was there for 38 years. We know, or he had this ailment for 38 years, and we now know why the people were gathered around this porch. Back in the day, there's other scholars who said this is the reason the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin were using it for their benefit. They were telling people that they'd get healed if they wait for the angel to come, and we'll send the angel at a certain time. It'll be during the feasts. So that's why during the feast, these people would come and they'd gather on the pool, and they were waiting, they were waiting for the water to be stirred and the first one in would get healed. Now here's the interesting thing. Here this guy had been there for many, many years. He had this infirmity for 38 years. Now we don't know if he'd been sitting by that pool every year for the past 38 years, but we know that he was there. And remember, John is the greatest historian and the interesting thing is Josephus, another great Jewish historian, never wrote anything about this pool. Never said a word about it. These other people say, well, he didn't write about it because it was a myth. It was a rumor. It wasn't truth. And we don't know for sure, because I can't translate Greek, whether John wrote it in his word or not, but they're saying that it wasn't there. King James offered to leave it there. He said, just leave it there. It's there. It gives us understanding of why people are there by the pool. Because they think that an angel is going to come and stir the water, and that angel, quite honestly, is Jesus Christ. There's a commentator, Adart Burns, wrote this. In regard to this passage, it should be marked that the account of an angel in John 5.4 is wanting in many manuscripts. It means it's not there and has been supposed to be suspicious. There is no conclusive evidence, however, that it is not a part of the genuine text, and the best critics suppose that it should not be rejected. One difficulty has been that no such place as this spring was mentioned by the historian Josephus. But John is a better historian and is worthy to be believed over Josephus, Besides, it is known that many important places and events that have not been mentioned by the historian, that it is not evidence that these things did not happen, 
or take place he had, because he did not mention it. Let me show you this scripture. This is going to take you back 470 years before Christ. Let's go to Zechariah 13, 1 and 2. And this happens to be out of the American Standard Version because I liked it. It says, In that day shall be a fountain opened to the house of David, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Isn't that powerful? 470 years before Christ. For the sin and for, for uncleanness, that the, this fountain is Jesus. And it shall come to pass in that day, said Jehovah, Jehovah of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. Because why? Jesus come in, and he's not a myth. He's not a rumor. I believe these people were there because they had heard stories that when the angel stirs the water, that we have a chance to get healed. Wouldn't you? I'd go if I could, if I was there. And, I, and you know, that's what I was told ever since I was a young man and believed it. And Jesus had mercy on these people. So let's get back to the scripture. Let's go to 5, 6, and 7. This is John 5, verses 6 and 7. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, we already understand how he learned that, he asked him, do you want to get well? Verse 7, sir, the emblem replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. In other translations, like the New King James says, I have no man. You know, it would be hard for a woman to take a, a paraplegic and move him around. And the King James says, I have no man to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. This is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. I've had, heard so many preachers say, this guy was lazy. He just didn't want to be healed. Maybe he liked being an invalid because if he was an invalid, he could be a beggar. And as a beggar, you know, people would say, he didn't have to work. Maybe that's why he didn't work himself edge. I haven't seen one preacher said he'd get to the edge. How hard? And he laid on his back and just rolled off the stage. How hard would it have been to roll in? Well, you know what? If you were a paraplegic and somebody wanted to go ahead, they'd just grab you and pull you back. They would just, the guy didn't, had no way that he could obtain his salvation. Ooh. It's like, I have no way that I can obtain mine. I am completely helpless and utterly paralyzed without Jesus. We need Jesus, and he came because I couldn't get there myself. So we have a lot of people that go through their Christian life for a long, long time, and they haven't seen healing. And maybe they ask God why. Maybe their faith has kind of fell off a little bit. Well, I'm a Christian, and God just chose not to heal me. 
I don't think that's the case at all. I think what Jesus was restoring hope back into this man, I am the water, and I'm going to come to you, buddy. You don't have to go and try to get into that pool. Let me bring the water to you. Now get up. Get up. And you know what? The man had to have enough faith and gumption to stand up. What if he had said, no, man, you don't understand. My legs don't work. I can't get up. He wouldn't have been healed. But Jesus said he's healed. Get up. And so he gave him the hope that he needed to be able to get up. I don't think the man was lazy at all. I think he wanted to have a healing. I think that he probably had listened to over 38 years of time. He's heard so many scams. Hey, I'll sell you this little oil. You rub it on, you'll get better. You know? Hey, give me half the money that you bagged down, and when, next time when the water stirred, I'll come down and I'll put you in. How many times was he deceived? How many times was he lied to? And how many times have we feel like God has ignored us? And I'm here to tell you that he's not ignoring you at all. He's looking for the one, for that one person. And maybe it's the one, you know, sitting in the back. Maybe it's the one that's listening to this podcast going down the road thinking, can God heal me? Yes. Yes, he can. And I'm saying to you, get up and walk. Get up and believe. To have that faith that is required to say, God, I believe. John 5, 8 says, I'm still there, thank you. Get up, pick up your mat. And at once he was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. John 5, 10 And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids for you to carry around your mat. What are you thinking, dude? They're not even impressed that this man now has legs and is walking. They're saying, you're carrying your mat. What is wrong with you? I, I mean, I'm astounded that... The people there, the Jewish leaders, didn't go, he's healed, man, he's walking, what happened? What is going on? They were concerned that he was working on the Sabbath, but he replied in verse 11, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Verse 12, so they asked him, here's this fellow thing again, who is this fellow? Yes, love it when they call Jesus this fellow. Who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. Remember me telling you to pay attention that this guy doesn't know who Jesus is. He had no idea. And Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Can you imagine the crowd of people this stirred up when this guy jumped up on his feet? And he picked up his mat. I tell you what, there was a stirring going on. And they're already inside the gate of Jerusalem. So this traveled faster than the internet. I mean, it just went throughout the community. Verse 14 says, Jesus found him. 
at the temple. Hmm. See, Jesus is always looking for us. He found this guy at the temple. He said, see, you're well again. I think Jesus was saying, it's good to see you up. I see that you're well. I see, but let me give you a little, just a little tidbit of advice. Stop sinning. Or something worse may come, may happen to you. The guy wasn't even a believer. He didn't know who Jesus was. So now Jesus finds him at the temple and says, hey, it's good to see you're up and hey, let me shake your hand. Let me give you a hug, man. It's good to see you up and around. Now let me give you a little bit of advice. Stop sinning so something worse doesn't come upon you. So did Jesus say that because he was lame, it was because of sin? That's not what he said. Bad things happen to really good people. I don't know why the man was lame. I don't know. Maybe it was because of sin. How do I know? When I get to heaven, I'll ask, because I think it's interesting. But Jesus has given a simple statement that he's giving to us. You're healed. Now let's live a little bit closer to me. Live a little bit closer to the word. You know, study a little bit. Let's get into the word. Let's, let's stay there. Because if you continue to sin, all you're going to do is you're going to open the door up for Satan to come in. Something worse is going to come in and come at you because our enemy is a liar. He is a liar. And he wants to come in and he's coming after you, especially now that he knows that you've been healed. Trust me, he's going to come after you. And it's your job to keep that door closed and you keep it closed by staying close to me. Does that make sense? This is exactly what Jesus was, was talking about to this guy. It was, it was beautiful, and it wasn't, wasn't any sarcasm in this. It wasn't Jesus trying to be mean to him. Verse 15, the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Hey, I just talked to him out there, man. He came up, he hugged me, and he said, it's good to see him up. His name is Jesus, and he's the one that made me well. He was excited now. He knows he was touched by God. And he tells the leaders. So you think the leaders, they got excited, right? Yeah, they got excited for Jesus. Verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath... The Jewish leaders began to persecute him because it was on a Sabbath. See, this is the system that Jesus was trying to break down by going to the, the symptoms and healing somebody on the Sabbath. He's trying to break down their religious belief system. We don't live under the law. We live under grace, which is Jesus Christ. The law is there for a reason. We study the law. We see the law. It helps us to live, helps us understand how to live, but we don't live under the law. We live under grace, which means when I make a mistake, I'm forgiven. And I praise God for that. I'm forgiven. 
And I always say, God, Holy Spirit, show me when I made a mistake. Show me so that I ask people to forgive me. Show me so that I know that I need to change the way I live. Verse 17 says, In his defense, Jesus said to him, said to them, these Pharisees, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. These are some tough words that Jesus threw out there. Verse 18 says, For this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. Hmm making himself equal with God. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was very purposeful. They had a reason. And he was breaking them down, trying to. And this has all been recorded for us so that it'll help to break us down and help us not get so tied up in the religious system. What, what is the religious system today that we see churches do? Well, if you don't come to church every Sunday, I don't think you're very much Christian. It's a lie. It's a lie. Well, the church is all they want is you to give, give your money to them. No, I give because God has given to me. I don't give to get. I give to do more. Because what he's given me. There's so many religious systems that we have that are constantly attacking us as a church. And we have to hold true to what is true and what is right. Well, pastor, what do you feel about gay marriage? Well, not a lot. I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what the word tells me. Well, what if they come to your church? I'll love them. But when I preach the truth, they'll probably get offended and leave or repent and change. Because we all have issues. We all, those are just a couple. We all have issues in our lives. And maybe one of the issues is we've been trusting God to heal us all these years. For 38 years, man, I've been waiting for God to heal me. And I want to know why he hasn't. Jesus is the answer to that. You know, and sometimes Jesus simply says no. He does. You remember the Apostle Paul saying that I have this thorn in my side. We don't know what it was. Some say that he was going blind. We don't know. Some say that it was his attraction towards women. You know? We don't know what the thorn in his side was, but it hurt him. And he wanted rid of it. What did Jesus say to him? He said, my faith is sufficient. Your faith is sufficient. Maybe it's to keep him humble. 
to keep him knowing that God is in control. I don't know. I'm not God. But God, this is where I'm at today. And if you're ailing for something and you need healing, you need to trust God and step up and ask to be prayed for. You have an issue in your life. You're trying to break it down. You're trying to get rid of it. You're trying to lose that thing, man. Then step up. Be prayed for and believe. I'm going to say get up and walk. Trust God. Oh, I've tried that many times, Pastor. I've been, you know, I've went down there many times and I, I never got healed. God's not changed. It's not Him. I believe in healing. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the manifestation of healing in our bodies. And you know, a church is as a leader does. If, if I say, well, God healed in the old days, and that's what we would have, nobody praying for anybody. God can heal you today. He can make a difference today. So I do want to challenge you. As Tony and Sean play this incredible song, let's all stand together. <clears throat>